Middleton. Uh, but yeah, obviously, I think we created quite a lot of chances in the first half. Both teams could have could have scored a few, uh, but it was a great reaction from going behind to, to score quite early on, and you know, happy with the point. Hello and welcome to On and Off The Pitch. I'm Rodney Cyrus, hope you are well. And for those joining me, thanks for joining me. Slight change in schedule, okay? Slight, I'm on my own, I'm, I'm flying solo. Ali and Emma have the night off. Things happen, life takes over. Um, brief mention, in terms of the intro, we heard the uh, post-match comment from the Sunderland manager, uh, Melanie Ray after the game against Crystal Palace at the weekend. Now, before I go into talking about, um, in a hopscotch way, some of the WSL games and the FAWC games, or for those who are picky, the WSL2, um, I put out a tweet or a post-match comment uh, with Bianca Baptiste. She was very kind enough to come over and speak to me, and I attached the wrong image I'm in absolute schoolboy error. I attached the wrong image and I've corrected it now. So I have to apologize publicly. I've already apologized on Twitter to Bianca, but I must say, Bianca, I apologize for using someone else's image. It was what I call my Gavin Williamson moment. Okay, so forgive me, please. Queen Bee, Queen Bee. Uh, if you haven't already listened to the post-match comments, please look out for it on the on and off the pitch Twitter handle. Uh, it's it's good. It's staying. It's candid and basically asked her about how it felt to play at Selhurst Park in, in terms of the comparison between Bromley and and it was a really big pitch, really big pitch. Now, what I need to do, what I need to do is is quickly rattle through. Obviously the fixtures that have gone by, the results that have taken place with West Ham drawing with Aston Villa, Chelsea battering the hell out of Everton. Excuse me, I shouldn't say battering. Um, Leicester uh, being turned over at home by Manchester United 3-1. Birmingham taking an absolute blast from Brighton. Like five heavy hits. Um, Reading losing by four goals to nil and and probably the result of the weekend your, your late sunday night drama your, your version of wwe within the wsl manchester city one tottenham hotspurs two and you know let's start there let's start there manchester city they have problems Manchester City have problems because they can't get the job done. They have a Champions League hangover, which is, is heavy on the heart, heavy on the mind, and, and, it, and it sits heavy within the lap of the Manchester City fans. They would have expected a much stronger uh, start to the season, considering the, the recruitment that they have pulled off this summer. Bunny Shaw... Fantastic recruitment in terms of a goal scorer. You know, they would have actually been thinking about walking through the league as it is with um, the, the Champions League pedigree of Lozado from, from 
from Barcelona. And the start has been nothing more than catastrophe. You know, a, a good game against Everton, but the last two results show that there is a, the mood is heavy in, in that part of Manchester. Manchester City are reeling and I, I feel for them in a little way in terms of where they go next. What will they do in terms of trying to rectify the problem? And is it is it a manager problem? Is it a manager stroke formation problem? Is it is it the players? I mean, there's a collective sense of um, experience that's in that squad. They're not a young squad in the sense that they don't know their way around the WSL. They're very much experienced. They have good recruitment, but what is going wrong for them? It is, it is a, an absolute shocker, to say the least, that Manchester City um, haven't really hit the heights that that some of their fans would have expected. But let's not take anything away from their, their opponents. Their opponents dug in. Their opponents uh, showed metal. They showed resolve. They showed a togetherness. They showed uh, the will to to not lay down and, and have their tummy tickles, which has been something of a given for some teams in the WSL. When you look at some of the previous results, uh, teams being beaten, you know, five, six, seven, eight, uh, nine goals, um, and it can happen. And for Manchester City, who I would regard as as, as seasoned campaigners within this league, seasoned campaigners within women's football, to have the start that they've had, they'll probably be really, really, apart from underwhelmed is the word, but they'll be very upset with regards to what's happening um, in, in terms of where they go. I mean, they have um, obviously, one, one can't even say easy games because every game right now, is a very difficult game for any team within the WSL. And, and and let's face it, their next fixture is against Arsenal, which is going to be a tough game. And if they thought that playing Tottenham was a difficult game when they had the bulk of the 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 um, percentage of possession, then playing an Arsenal team who will be extremely ready for this, ready for this uh, this this battle uh, for top three, top two maybe first place, uh, will be very, very interesting. Um, it's it's going to be one hell of a, a game and it's going to be very difficult going forward for the next few weeks. Has the international break come around at the right time? Some would say no, uh, depending on how many players are left in the Manchester City fold when the, the, those international players go off for international duty. And what can the manager do in the meantime? How is he going to kind of resolve the situation is it something about the blueprint that they put down at the beginning is that does that need to change is that the right way forward for them you know who, who knows so but Manchester City right now you know um, they have problems because you know if, uh, Tottenham can win uh, on, on, on a Sunday night uh, under the under the lights uh, albeit by certain means um, and when they play against a team who will have more than one striker on the pitch who, who, who knows their way to go, um, you have to kind of ask yourself, um, can, they, can they steady the ship? Can they steady the ship? That's what, you've got to, that's what you've got to ask, can they steady the ship? So look, Manchester City aside, 
that was the probably the standout, one of the standout fixtures in terms of the weekend. Um, the other one for me was Brighton. Now, a few weeks ago, I mentioned I was very surprised to see um, Reading let go of their striker, Dan Carter, who then ended up at Brighton. And the acquisition of the players down there, the frontline players down there, the Babajida on loan from Liverpool, uh, Daniel Carter as a point person now, um, and, and, with, and, and with Kagman, uh, who's, who knows uh, her way to goal, and with an already established base as, as, as a team that can defend well and grind out points, they now have an attacking prowess that probably many of the WSL teams and, and the fans alike were not expecting. So Brighton will not only just pose the usual kind of difficult team to face, very you know, well-marshaled, um, good structure, good at covering, positional player, all of that stuff. They now have an actual goal threat going forward for them, which is which is fantastic because it, it it kind of elevates that section of the league into the top half where you actually have you don't kind of write them off before the fixtures taken place. So for Brighton fans, they're fan- they are they are giddy. Um, for the Brighton players, they are probably over the moon with the way things have gone at the start of the season. In contrast to other teams who are letting in four or five goals, they're scoring five goals. And if a team can actually begin the league in, in this fashion within the WSL, that, that aren't the Chelsea's, that aren't the Arsenal's, that aren't the Manchester United's or Man City's, then it says that the league in itself, there, there are no gimme games certain clubs anymore. There are no games where you can just go, oh, we're going to get those points or we expect to win there. Those games are over. Those get, those days are gone with that with this particular Brighton team. And it is no surprise that Hope Powell has steadily crafted the team in a way that is very strong defensively, uh, fluid in their movement with the ball going forward. And, and now with, with Daniel Carter at front and Baba Jida and, and, and all of the other players are adding to that kind of attacking prowess and the fluidity, they are, they can be, ten- I have to say, you've got to put them in as contenders because you don't go around and bash teams 5-0 for nothing. And, and, and let me put this out there. If it were... If it were an Arsenal that beat Birmingham 5-0, everyone would be ranting and raving and saying that was fantastic and it'd probably be Miedema that scored the goals and everyone goes, she's the goal. But Brighton scored five goals and the spread across the team has, has been pretty good. And you, you have to give credit to teams that are doing well in the moment and not just talk about what went before, but in the moment, you know, Brighton are doing extremely well. Brighton have steel in that rock. It's not just sugar and candy. They are, they are the real deal. They are the real deal, and um, and good for them, you know, because it makes it uh, all the more interesting. Um, indeed, uh, in terms of Brighton, I've got to mention. <clears throat> excuse me. In terms of um, Brighton, teams that are scoring, you know, goals like that, four or five. What's going on with Everton? You know, Everton. Not the greatest start. Had high hopes. Again, I, I know that Chelsea needed to win, but it just seemed almost inevitable that they were going to concede that many goals and not necessarily 
get to the point where they needed to show that they are they have arrived or they are going to punch above their weight or actually their weight. Maybe this is them punching up their weight. Um, you know, the good collection of players. We know they can play good football, but it would seem right at the moment the luck is not with them. Whether that can change soon enough for the players and and uh, and the manager, um, time will tell. But it it really is. It's surprising. It is surprising to see Everton kind of concede the goals that they're conceding. It's really really surprising to see that and. Um, yeah, something needs to happen for them very, very quickly. Uh, again, you know, the, the international break has come around at the right time, you would say, for them. And they, and they in their next game, they face Birmingham, who, who are having a bit of a, a rough spell. Probably a hangover in terms of previous season. I know they've got new players, they have a new manager. But still, you know, when you become accustomed uh, and I think this is something that I could kind of push in the direction of of Bristol, who are no longer in the WSL but are in in in, in, the, in the Championship. When you become accustomed to being on the end of heavy defeats, it just becomes the norm. And what you don't want to see, and I fear for for both of these teams, is that when they lose games like this and it doesn't go their way initially, when the first twenty or thirty minutes, and they concede maybe two. That they don't then disappear and say, "Oh, well, let's minimise it," and you know, only concede one or two more. That they actually kind of resolve what's going on on the pitch and go again. It is paramount that that happens, and it's not just for them. I'm talking about the league's position in terms of the world of the media now. The perception that some of the games are too easy, and 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 that kind of dialogue and that kind of mantra will, will flow across the airwaves if score lines like that continue to happen. So, you know, for both both of those teams, you know, even if they get a one-one draw against one another, that would be will be something. Better it will be better than nothing. It will be better than nothing. Now, um, right at the start, I highlighted, I highlighted my my faux pas in terms of the the uh, the Twitter post that I put out with the wrong image. So it just goes to show that people make mistakes. I made a mistake. I made a mistake in editing. I put something out online. It was incorrect. You know, someone was kind enough to to DM me and say, hey, that's not the right one. So I appreciate that. And, you know, I've corrected it. But when you talk about owning up to certain things and you do it in a public way because you've actually made a mistake in the public arena, is that always the case in the world of football? And we can talk about it just after this little this little break. And, and VAR, do we really need it? VAR, do we really need it? You know, it's a bit bold for me to kind of sit here now and say, hey, these referees aren't doing a good job. They've made a mistake. I made a mistake. Human beings make a mistake. You know, they make a mistake. So sometimes as fans, we need to kind of ease up a little bit, take our foot off the pedal, relax and say, you know what? This game is played by humans and there is going to be human error. There's going to be human error all the time. 
all the time. But within the game that we saw between Manchester City and Spurs, the double handball, the snooker, the snooker. I don't know. There's probably a, a, a um, an actual phrase within snooker where you kind of hit another ball and it goes off a like a double handball. I mean, surely, surely that could have been seen by either the referee or the assistant referee, but it didn't seem to be. So then we have the question about VAR. Do we really need it? Do we need VAR in the women's game? So we have VAR in the men's game. We have VAR in the men's game. And sometimes, you know, in the last season or so, there was an issue about VAR and it was taken over and it was doing too much and, 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 and it was taking too long and, you know, people bringing out the rulers and the geometry set and looking at lines and the thickness of the lines and all of that stuff. Now we, we're, we're, we're at a point where we are seeing, because the games have been televised, that there are errors in the game, there are handballs in the game and the referee hasn't seen it. So do we need VAR? Now, before VAR, those things happened. You know, let's, let's not get it out of context and say that, you know, until technology came along, you know, people didn't score a goal by a handball and things. It just, they did. If you don't believe me, check out the World Cup with Maradona. It happened. You know, even with people watching live, it still happens. So the question is about VAR within the WSL. Is it needed right now? So there's the, the talk about referees. They need to be better trained. They need to be better supported. They need to be, you know, um, more vigilant on the pitch and, and everything else and, and, and see everything as it happens. And fans can do all of this because we're ever vigilant. We're voyeurs. We're watching Twitter. We're watching small screens, middle screens, big screens. We're doing all of those things. But it doesn't take away the element of the game. And if VAR's not there, what does that say about what's happening on the pitch? Now, there are mistakes being made. If we didn't have VAR, mistakes will still be made. When we get VAR, mistakes will still be made. It's just going to happen. What will it do? Will it assist the referee already at a game where at a point where we're thinking, oh gosh, the game isn't really going as well as it should. We need referees to be better, but we're going to give them, instead of giving them more training, we're going to give them technology. So there is this kind of superimposed microwave idea where everything has to be um, fast forwarded um, over decades in, in terms of the progress that's, that we've seen in, in the men's game that it has to happen now, 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 now. In comparison, in terms of the financial support, VAR is almost like at the end of the things that we can wait for in women's football. Women's football needs money more than it needs VAR. It needs more financial support than it needs VAR. It needs financial independence, then it needs VAR. I mean, VAR is great. VAR can come along. But in terms of the game, in terms of what the game needs, in terms of the profile, the advertisement, the, the, the images, the, the support, they need more financial support in areas and better training facilities. Go ask Brighton. Don't be a Manchester United fan. You need things in that area before we start talking about VAR. So there are things that the clubs aren't doing before we start banging on about VAR. And that's the reality. You know, that's the truth. But what I did notice within the, the last few days is the comments made by Sue Smith on, on Sky Sports talking about VAR saying it's too expensive. Now, in the week where there were no Premier League games, there were international fixtures, all of the VAR equipment, right, was sitting in someone's store, storeroom, in a van. 
at no point did the FA, Premier League, Sky Sports say, hey, guess what? Let's get one of the VAR equipment sets, the vans, the guys, and say we're going to go to a particular game or two particular games and we're going to set VAR up, we're going to use it and we're going to say this is what VAR would look like within the WSL. Didn't have it, so you have the argument now or the clamour for we really do need VAR. But VAR is not offered up as a token gesture. It's not offered up as a gift. It's not offered up in terms of support to say, this is what we as the authorities are going to do to help grow the game. We're going to give you this because we know it's too expensive. Now, if it's expensive, then you have to ask this question. Who owns the VAR? Who owns the VAR equipment? Who are the directors that are part of the companies that own VAR equipment? And why isn't it controlled by the Premier League? Why isn't it controlled by the, the major broadcasting come why isn't it who's who controls VAR if if we're in the women's game on a weekend where there are no Premier League fixtures they can't use VAR and that for me is part of the problem when people say we really need VAR nothing what we need is to help grow the game we need to financially push the game in a different level than it's already at and don't get me wrong I can get behind the whole we need VAR but in terms of the queue the list of things in, in what's required, VAR is right at the bottom. It is so far behind in terms of everything that's really required within the women's game. It's the last thing. It's the absolute last thing. It's the absolute last thing. And that's the issue about VAR is almost like smoke and mirrors. It's misdirection. There are so many things that could be done before we get to that. So if, if there is this thing, this clamour for VAR, and we know it's expensive, apparently, um, but it's at every club in the Premier League. And, but in terms of the women's game, for those clubs who are in the Premier League, maybe they could finance out of the small amount of spare change that they have coming in from the not too huge broadcasting deal that they signed some months ago. It's just, it's just a possibility. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but it's, it's just a possibility. It can happen. It can happen. So, VAR, yes, I get it, but it's not at the top of the list. More on the WSL after this short break. Right, big things happening in Manchester United. Ella Toon, Ella Toon. Ella Toon, what can I say? Yeah, scoring goals like that. Ooh, no words, that's it. The goal speaks for itself. Uh, Manchester United doing really, really well. Surprisingly, really, really well. Um, and I had my reservations, but what I have seen so far, I have to, you know, quietly go, okay, this is good. I am happy. I like it. And I'm sure the Manchester United fans will like it too. They will be more than happy with what's going on. Uh, there is a question, obviously, about formation and the inability to use the number nine, which was purchased, or who was purchased, so which, apologies. Um, as the striker uh, from at the very beginning of games. 
uh, when tougher opponents uh, surface, what will happen in terms of formation? Will there be this use of the false nine? Who knows? It's working quite well right now. The fluidity between Hansen, Galton, Toon, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Can't, you, can't, you, you just have to say it is what it is. It's doing good work for Manchester United. Will the fans be happy if things go wrong? If they hit a bump? If there's a, you know, a, a, a blip in terms of, uh, of results? Probably. I think they will because they, they will be happy in terms of the way things have gone on. And uh, what, what we've seen so far in terms of the WSL and in the Championship, you can't predict anything. There's no such thing as an accurate prediction. You can have hope that your team will do well. But, but what happens, I mean, Manchester City fans have said they could have predicted three points, but they didn't get them. So you can have hope. And um, you can also hope for VAR as well, but you won't get that either. So you can only hope for what happens on the pitch and the players have to deliver. So from a Manchester United point of view, um, absolutely fantastic. Uh, the, the Leicester, um, a bit of a rude awakening in terms of, of, of Manchester United, um, what can I say, visiting your home patch and uh, putting down the smackdown, as they say. It's one of those. Um, so who knows what happens next? Leicester of a... Ooh, they've got a trip away to West Ham. West Ham, you know, who played, for me, great going forward, but I think they're, they're missing a few a few individuals in their team and they could be slightly more potent if they kind of, kind of, the words I want to use is get their act together. And when I, what, when I reflect back to the Aston Villa game, too many of their passes for a midfield were in hope. They weren't, they weren't precise. They were just into areas of where there might be a player. When you looked at the Aston Villa point of play, you know, once once they, you know, got the ball back and they were moving through the midfields, moving through the lines, they knew exactly what they were meant to do. There was no hidden hope. There was a very, very clear kind of approach to the goal. They knew what they were doing. Their players were very comfortable on the ball. You know, um, I, I mean, just absolutely fantastic in terms of moving forward towards the goal. Um, seeing a former West Ham players go and, and end up in in a, in a Aston Villa shirt and, and look very comfortable as well. Look very comfortable as well. Um, so I, I am, you know, hopeful for West Ham. Obviously, I think Aston Villa will do okay. They'll, they'll sneak points as they do. Um, some great performances uh, from... The West Ham players, Leon, the goal, I thought she had her running and her application was, was immense. And, and Hampton in the Aston Villa goal, some absolutely fantastic saves. Um, just just real. And, and Remy Allen, who, who just, you could see that how much she enjoyed that goal. It was just, she just really loved, she just loved to ramming home that point to say, this is it. Oh, we've got a point from you. So in terms of the WSL, um, Many teams that need to kind of, as they say, fix up, they need to kind of do a quick turnaround in terms of their, their results and their approach. Um, top marks for Arsenal, uh, top marks for, for, for Spurs, you know, um, just, just really, I mean, for, especially for Spurs, considering you just think, I didn't, I didn't for, for one minute think that they would get anything from... Uh, the Manchester City game and it's a very different 
apart from the, the huge number of players that kind of were released and have been obtained, there is a sense of togetherness with this team that, that are, are actually trying to resolve problems on the pitch themselves. They've got some good young players who, who are really comfortable on the ball. Uh, the right back, L, Naz. Yeah, just just really, really good. Really good. So it's, it's good. I'm, I'm happy. You should be happy. WS fans should be happy. Right. Um, what we're going to do, we're going to actually go and talk a little bit about the FAWC or WSL2. See you in a minute. Boo! FAWC. Um, what's happening with the FAWC, aka the championship? Right, let's start by kind of looking at the table. Sunderland at the top. Watch them at the weekend against Crystal Palace. Really good. I'll go into a little bit more depth with them in a bit. Behind them, in second place, Sheffield, who had a little bit of a hit at the beginning, but a bounce back. The, the, the team that's kind of stood out for me that's thinking, I'm not thinking, surely not, it's Coventry. You mean they have no wins to them at the moment. They have no wins and they secured a number of good players in the summer. Katie Walkinson left Sheffield to go to Coventry. They were going to be seen as doing things and it's just not, it's just not gone the way that they wanted at the start of the season. And being at the Championship, I mean, like both leagues, the WSL and the Championship, there are so few teams of 12 teams. It's not very difficult to actually notice who's at the bottom of the league. You see it very, very quickly. You see, you almost kind of like go past the middle and see who's bottom of the league. And Coventry and Watford have, have, have some work on their hands. Now, yeah, it's, what can I say? It's, it's, it's going to be a difficult one. Coventry's next game is against London City, who have had uh, a little bit of a hit in terms of the last result, but they started strong. They had a good result against Crystal Palace um, a week or so ago. Um, and Watford have been close, but not close enough in terms of the cigar. So the results at the weekend, you know, Durham, had a little bit of a bump themselves, but they win by two goals to nil against Charlton. Blackburn, three goals to one against Watford. I say Sheffield United, who um, I said had a little bump, but the goals, they're, they're coming for them. You know, they, they, they visit Coventry and they score three goals. I believe all three goals were in the first half. So they're extremely happy about that. So they, they set up and they have a really strong base. Uh, Crystal Palace uh, drew 1-1 with Sunderland. Uh, really good game. I'll talk to you about that in a minute. And Lewis um, entertained London City. And, you know, Lewis, you know, really happy with a one. I'm really, I'm really happy with a 1-0 win. I can't get my words out. A 1-0 win. I can't get my words out. Excuse me. I need to take a drink. Mm. <sighs> Lovely. Um, so... Um, in terms of all of the fixtures, really good. A nil-nil is a strange thing in the in the FAWC, the championship. But by all accounts, the Bristol fans were really happy with this. To travel to Liverpool and get a point 
Uh, obviously, players were sent off, but it shows that there's the passion and there is a commitment. Now, one thing I do realise is that, you know, when Bristol were in the WSL, they were taking some heavy hits, you know, week after week. They were taking hits, like, for, like, get, you know, like, really game, like, playing games hits, you know, like, being beaten four, five, six, seven, eight. First game, they lost to Palace for three. It was very entertaining. It was kind of like the Rocky of the W and, and FAWC. But to go away and get a point against Liverpool, a Liverpool team um, who was managed by uh, their former manager, Matt Bid, who have real desires to get back into the WSL, um, you know, with players that they've secured, some former Bristol players. This will seem like three points to Bristol, but it's just a point. And for Liverpool, it will seem like a loss, even though they got a point. Um, so the, the table is shaping up, shaping up really, really well. So for London City, they're in fifth place despite the loss, and, and Crystal Palace are, are six. Bristol are just behind them as well in seventh place. And, and just behind them are Liverpool. So it's very early in this league. And it, you can take two or three wins and you can move up the table very, very quickly, which is something I'm really hoping for, for both Watford and Coventry. Because what we've seen so far, what we've witnessed and what a number of the fans, I spoke to one particular fan at Sellers Park, they're really happy with what they've seen so far in terms of the application from the players, not just Crystal Palace players, but the opposition. They see that the games are more challenging, the skill level has increased, the application has increased. And I, I believe that with so many of the players that have moved ac across the league to different different teams, we've seen players leave London City and go to Lewis. We've, as I've said, we've seen players leave Sheffield United and go to Coventry. Um, players leave Durham and end up at Crystal Palace. Um, we've seen players leave Bristol, you know, who were in the WS at the time, and, and end up at, at Liverpool, etc. Um, it's it's really really good for the league, and it is the the closest thing to kind of like lucky dip. You have no idea. Predictions are are so you just just cannot even put them into words like who could who at this moment in time could predict what's going to happen who can win now what i can say um in terms of um the sunderland versus uh, crystal palace game which was was an absolutely fantastic game to watch um and to see them play on on Selhurst park um sunderland are a really good outfit you know and i i've watched a lot of crystal palace you know i know that how much they 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 work together, how hard they are in terms of trying to beat them. Um, going forward, they've got some really good talented players like Bianca Baptiste I've spoken to, um, Wilson, um, Coral Jade Haynes, you know, uh, who else is there? Um, Kirsty Barton, you know, um, uh, newly acquired Leon Cowan, who was at London City, who I thought had a, an amazing first game uh, against Bristol, playing on the right-hand side. You know, I saw in Sunderland, players that I was unfamiliar with and the um, players that stood out for me, you know, like Jessica Brown really stood out for me. I thought she she was busy in, in, in up front for, for Sunderland doing really well. Um, who else is there that, that stuck out? Megan played right back. Um, absolutely, you know, no nonsense right back as well. Just uh, all over the attacking player. Gave Wilson a hard time. And every time Wilson was actually... Um, 
had the ball, you know, Sunderland realised the the attacking threat that she posed, and they double teamed her every time. So they did their homework. You know, Sunderland didn't just turn up and and you know try and defend deep and uh, try and catch Crystal Palace on the break. They did their homework. They knew what their opposition were like. They knew what they needed to do. They moved as a unit, and 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 going forward. Um, and, and even though Crystal Palace had the bulk of the ball going forward, it was always the threat that Sunderland could score at ease. Um, sitting in front of their back four, um, um, Heron, really good. Uh, Charlotte Potts, who actually put in the free kick, the delivery for the equaliser, uh, her set pieces, you know, really, really good. Um, Abby Joyce, um, busy, just busy, and, and, and ran with the ball extremely well, um, great control. Um, uh, Maria Faruga, I hope I hope I've said that correctly. If I'm wrong, please forgive me. Um, yeah, just great. So it was a, for me seeing a totally different team that I've not seen before. Really, really good. I can see why Sunderland the top of the league. I can see that they're going to give teams a really difficult time, whoever they play. And from the position that they have, they are in a position of strength because they know now that you know they played teams right across the country in a sense, coming down to, to play Crystal Palace. And they have a, a, a kind of an understanding of what they're going to face already, even within three games. They have an understanding. So, you know, whoever they face next, and I can find out shortly, whoever they face ne- next will find that they're, they're going to have a really organised team to get past. Um, they defend well, they move the ball well, and they attack really quickly. And it doesn't seem to matter who has the ball up front, whether it's um, Joyce or, or uh, Frigia, uh, if I got that right, she's going to kill me if I got that wrong. Probably, um, they control it well. They they hold the ball extremely well, and and they can run well with the ball, and not only just keep it under control, but slow up the play and bring in um, players uh, to to help build their attack. So it is, it is, it is a, an amazing thing. But what what was key for me was to see. Um, Crystal Palace play on play on a bigger pitch, and how and how that kind of fared for them. And, and in terms of the WSL and, and FAWC, what you find is that the pitches that the the women play on are slightly smaller, slightly more compact grounds. You know, obviously the atmosphere is different, but the amount of time it, it would take a ball to travel from one player to another, and you know, on a smaller pitch, it's it's very telling, and I could see that some of the players were were kind of wilting a little bit in terms of their fatigue um, towards the end of the game. Probably the last twenty minutes, you could see that. And from a Palace point of view, they would probably say they should have had three points. Um, from a Sutherland point of view, they're glad for the point. You know, um, who knows which way that that game could have gone? But both teams had had great had great um, opportunities to win. Um, but the question I ask in terms of big pitches, is this going to be a thing? Now, at the end of the game, and if you're able to listen to the post-match comments that I reposted um, with Bianca Baptiste speaking, um, asked if she'd like to, the opportunity to play on Stella Park. And obviously, as a player, you'd love to. But, you know, to, to play on a pitch like that, you have to train on a pitch to similar size. And I don't think right across women's football that there is the opportunity to to train on a bigger pitch 
so that when these opportunities come around, when there are these international breaks and there is a, a big focus on, um, you know, advertising the women's game and trying to get the, the, the supporters down from who follow the men to go to the grounds and actually support the women's team, that they have enough, they've spent enough time um, playing on those pitches so that they are comfortable with the, the size difference, the, the difference, the difference across the, the men's pitch and the women's pitch. So it's it's something to think about, I think, in, in terms of going forward. If if this is going to happen, that, that those players are given the opportunity to, to practice a number of times before they go on the pitch and um, or practice on at least a pitch of an equivalent size within the club structure. So it's just something, it's just something to think about. And I think it would be absolutely kind of it would be fantastic for 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 championship teams if they they had that if they had that um opportunity i just think that would be just be absolutely fantastic um so in terms of the championship things are are really 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 exciting you know there's a little bit of me that says I like the championship more than watching the WSL because you just don't know what's going to happen you have no idea how the results are going to go how they're going to fall what 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 does it mean um for for the fans in terms of predictions it's, it's really really it's impossible it's impo- it's actually impossible to to predict and uh, that's what and that's what makes it that's what makes it all the more exciting i suppose and and and, and long may it continue long may it continue so for the next round of games in the championship we've got really good fixtures to look forward to sunderland host lewis you know that's going to be a game and a half if only sunderland weren't so far away i've got uh bristol of um um, Bristol have got who have Bristol got let me just get to them who have Bristol got Bristol have got uh, B- B- Durham at home if only Bristol were so far away uh, Sheffield host Watford uh, London City Coventry mm, I think I might have to go to that game so many good games on that day um Charlton uh, play host to Blackburn Rovers who are on the up and Liverpool um, host Crystal Palace and uh, Crystal Palace won't be phased by that at all and I, I, to be honest I don't think any of the teams facing each other in the next round of games will be phased by one another I'm just hoping and hoping that there will be um, a kind of resolve for the teams at the bottom uh, it's going to be a, a little bit longer um uh, for for some teams before they get the points on the board, but I hope it's not too long. So um, my thoughts are with Watford, and my thoughts are with Coventry. Um, it would be nice to see you register a win. I'm not sure where in the fixtures you're going to do that, but it would be nice because it will just add to the dynamism that is uh, the W. Also, W, the FAWC or WSL2. Take your pick, whatever you want. Take your pick, take your pick. Anyway, right, that's it from me. Flying solo tonight. Flying solo. 
please, uh, if you are kind enough and you watch this, give it a like. If you have a comment or question, please send it through to at on and off the PIT1 or me at Rodney underscore Cyrus. I'm off. I'm going to go and watch some uh, TV. I'm really, really into Handmaid's Tale. If you haven't watched it, watch it. It's brilliant. Anyway, laters. Little stadium, I can imagine when it's packed, it's bouncing. Uh, but yeah, obviously, I think we created quite a lot of chances in the first half. Both teams could have could have scored a few, uh, but it was a great reaction from Gumby.